Welcome to the Fight Lawyer Podcast, where we discuss combat sports and the law. Our guest today is UFC welterweight, Mike Jackson. Mike, thanks so much for taking the time to do this. Uh, No problem, man. So when looking you up, I realized we have a couple of things in common. You're a practicing lawyer. (laughs) Not actually, man. I'm just, uh, I like doing little... Like, uh, and like little, little pop culture references in my life, and, and that's one of them. Uh, I was a big, how I got that was a uh, big fan of Bill and Ted, excellent adventure. So it, it really comes from that. And then just to add a little flair, uh, I added the, uh, the Murdoch, uh, law firm on there. So little, little pop culture references, you know, hopefully people pick them up, you know, make it a little fun. Did you ever want to be a lawyer? You know, I thought about it actually. You know, it was it was definitely uh, something that that was uh, on my mind, uh, amongst a few other things. But for me, I'm not a fan of school. Uh, I just can't, it's tough for me to sit still for for long periods of time. You know, in high school, you know, it's crazy. I was a straight A student in high school, A's and B's. You know, and I really didn't apply. And I, I went out. I didn't apply myself, but it, things just sort of came to me. You know, I was in engineering academy, and then I even went to college to be an engineer. And I just, man, I was like, it's not for me, you know. And um, I was just fortunate enough to stumble on the fight world. And here I am. So at what age did that happen? What martial art did you start in? Uh, I, me, it was all that boxing was, was a, a passion of mine. I just uh, was really a fan of it, loved it. And uh, that, that's really how it all started. And at what age did you walk into the gym? In other words, when did you know, okay, this is something that I'm just going to do as a leisurely activity or it's something I'm going to turn into long-term goals? No, you know, I just, you know, I never competed as a kid. It was just, you know, so again, I was just a fan of it. Uh, I didn't begin training until I was an adult in my early 20s. And uh, I started training and never stopped. What about it do you like? I, you know, just the, the competition of it, to be honest with you, you know, um, it, it's, it's, it's like a big, big chess match. You know, you're trying, for me, I don't look at it as, like, I don't, I don't have animosity or anything like that or any hatred towards uh, anyone that I'm facing. You know, for me, it's a sport and, and that's how I look at it. So, so for me, I'm just going in there to, to be an opponent. You know, I'm just trying to figure out, you know, what skills that I have that I can use to, to, to defeat them. That's it. Why did you work your way into MMA rather than just purely boxing? I mean, those are, you know, there are a lot of other skills involved here, and you, you seem mm-hmm. to have been set with just one. Yeah, man, you know, I really, I can't even answer that. You know, it was just one, it, it looked cool, looked fun, and I was just like, why, you know, let's try it. And, you know, and that's why you said for me, I still love boxing. You know, it's still something that I compete in. Um, but just MMA was just something about it that I really, you know, really gravitated towards. And, and, you know, I've made a career, I've sort of built my own path, you know, in this industry, you know? And so I've been fortunate to, I've been doing this for 10 years, you know, and, and I don't see any sign of me stopping at the moment. How tough was it to learn all those other skills? What did you start with after boxing? Was it wrestling, jujitsu? I mean, I just jumped in it all together at the same time. Like I didn't, um, you know, some people kind of, people learn the sport differently. 
you know, for me, you know, I, boxing was, was, was the passion and, and background that I had. And then once I got into MMA, it was just kind of learning everything all at the same time, putting everything together. So when I began training it and, and like the MMA aspect of it, I was learning jujitsu, kickboxing, wrestling, you know, during the same week, you know, it would just alternate days and times and things like that. Um, but yeah, you know, it was just like a crash course. It was cool. Like, I, I enjoyed it. How hard was it to take on wrestling? A lot of folks say that wrestling is, is, is the one that you got to start with in order to be really successful. Was that the hardest one to kind of learn over time? Um, I, I'm not going to say it was the hardest one. It was just the one that I was least interested in. You know, for me, it was more, I like punching people in the face. That's just, you know, what I like to do. And so that's just what, what I gravitated towards more. Uh, I don't, I think that as far as what, what's harder, it's all relative to the person. You know, you have some people who can, who can, who can um, begin training in, in some kind of discipline and they can pick up it fairly quickly. You take someone doing the same path and they don't get it as quickly or, or, as, or as efficiently. You know, they may not learn all the steps. They may miss something. You know, I feel everyone is different. So it's just all about what you, what, what you want to do and what you gravitate toward. For me, it was, again, it, it was a striking feel. And then you had a bit of an amateur career. Um, you had a few fights as an amateur. How tough is that scene in MMA? It's underdeveloped. It's, it's not as invested into as it should be. Uh, is that a really tough scene to maintain competition in? No, I mean, I think you can. Well, it depends on the weight, really. You know, if you're like a, like if you're a real, like a 115er or a guy, a guy is going to be tough. Uh, if you're about like one eight, about a two hundred five guy, is going to be tough. Um, you know, women is different as well. I think at the amateur level, it, you know, it's also locations like where you are is, is MMA big in your town or in your region. I think the way the sport is continuing to grow, we're seeing more promotions pop up um, and, and smaller, smaller uh, little markets. And I think that's a benefit for a lot of people who are, are looking to learn the sport. Um, but I, I honestly, I think now, and it's different now than it was, you know, when I started. You know, um, I think it's a lot easier now for, for people to, to find fights. And, and that could be a, a sort of a curse, too, because what happens is you have a lot of people who see the sport, they want to compete, and then you get, like, these little inexperienced gems pop up. And it, whether they, they're whether they know what they're doing or not, like they're setting a lot of guys up for failure, man. I, I've been, you know, when I'm not fighting, I'm covering the sport and I work in the, on the business side as well. And I've seen some people, well, and the crazy thing is like, I had my first fight six months after training. You know, um, I don't think that that's a, a smart thing to do in the current climate of MMA. I think guys need to train a, a lot longer, you know, at least a year. You know, there's some people who, you know, if you, tra- you switch to their gym, no matter where you started or how long you've been training, you need to train with them at least a year before you, have a, before you fight under their, their gym. You know, and they're just trying to, to make sure that you're a quality fighter and you're ready for this because, you know, you step in there, man, like anything can happen. Like people have died in combat sports, you know, and obviously that's an extreme uh, case, but it can still happen, you know. So I think now we need to – 
the younger fighters who are up and coming, you know, especially given, you know, the brain damage things and that. Um, they need to take a little bit more time to, to make sure they're ready and not jump in there too quickly. You think it'd be beneficial to have some sort of central governing body or an amateur league or some sort of feeder system that could, you know, take these fighters and work on them before they go pro? I, I think, I feel that there should be, as far as on the, on the um, all of MMA, there, it would be cool to have like a governing body. See, it's, it's difficult because of the way the sport is set up. This is not a traditional sport like a basketball or baseball or anything like that. Like this is a sport where you have, you know, promotions can pop up. Like all, I mean, anybody can go get a license and become a promoter. It's just all if you have the finances for it. That's really what all this comes down to. So, what you're trying, as far as like developing a union or or any kind of governing body, like you would literally have to start this over. Like you have to start MMA over again, and I just don't see that happening. Well, for example, why can't some of the bigger organizations have, you know, a league where they have promotional events for pro fighters and then promotional events for amateur fighters? Or would there be some undue burden there or, you know, financially? Who's paying for for that? Right. Who's paying for that? Like, we're talking about the, (laughs) let's take the UFC. Like, these dudes, although they they recently sold for a billion, 4.8 billion, whatever, you know, their, their payroll and their overhead is extensive. Like it's a lot of money. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. And so now you're talking about at which in essence, they, the UFC currently has with the contender series, with the ultimate fighter, you know, they even have a, a, a developmental contract. So there's three different avenues right there on actually I'll give four, another one for you have legacy fighting Alliance who I'm affiliated with and work for. They're a feeder lead to the UFC. So those are four fields right there, but they, and and the reason they're able to do this is because of their finances and they're at the top of the heap. There's a, there's a a big uh, separation between the UFC and everybody else, even Bellator. Like Bellator has sort of the Viacom money, but that's it. Like they don't know how, if, if the UFC had that Viacom money, it'd be a totally different field. You know, I, I think with, what Bellator doing is cool if they try if they would just stay in their lane, but I think they're legit trying to compete with UFC, maybe subconsciously, you know. But outside of that, nobody can afford that type of that that type of uh, service that you're talking about. Well, presumably you'd be able to televise it and market it and make money from all those things, or people just not watch, right? Why would they watch an inferior, presumably inferior fighters when they can just watch pro fighters the following weekend? And I disagree with that. I, I think if, if the if you're out there, look, you have a, um, a platform right now called Flow Combat online, and I've done some shows with them. They what they like to do is sort of uh, they have a pay per view uh, sort of system online where they go out to these smaller regional shows and 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 give them a a, a platform to 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 show their promotion. But again, something like that though, even what you're talking about. It's gonna it's gonna take money. It's gonna take finance, and you have to find a lot of people to finance that. And it's just it, it's not gonna happen. I, I just don't see it happening. Understood, understood. So after your professional, uh, after your amateur career, you went pro. Did you go right into the UFC, or you competed for some other leagues? 
No, you know, I, uh, I when, when I, once I decided to go pro, I, I was more in the boxing, kickboxing uh, realm. Um, you know, I'm undefeated in boxing. All my wins come to be a knockout, as well as kickboxing. Um, but the as far as like the professional MMA, I did make my my pro debut in the UFC, and it, it was just one of those special circumstances that you know it was uh, we we got this sort of uh, spectacle fight. Who wants you know winner gets punk all this, and it sort of just fell in my lap. And you know when you have opportunities like that that come up, you know you have to capitalize on them. And so you did, and you got the first fight with Mickey Gall. What went wrong in that fight? Kind of what? What did you not anticipate? Um, you know, in the fight itself, it was merely I should Xavier, I, I should that you know. It, it, but what it really comes down to is just the lack of preparation for um, a fight of that magnitude. And not saying that Mickey Gall is was you know uh, like an Anderson Silva or anything like that, but there are so many uh, factors that go into you know, a UFC fight that, you know, if, you, if you're not 100% committed, you know, then, you know, you'll miss some things. And for me, it wasn't necessarily that I wasn't committed, but it was a short, it, it was all a short period of time. Like, you you literally just randomly one day you get a call and you're just like, yo. Like especially, you know, for me, it wasn't a, a thing where, you know, I had, you know, aspirations of, of fighting in the UFC. You know, for me, I understand what my career was. Um, and so I was just, you know, again, I, I just fight cause I love to fight, you know, and I, I, I'm not trying to become a champion or anything like that. And then one day out of the blue, and this is also a time when I hadn't been training in MMA, but I had taken some time off. I was like an injury hill, you know, that, you know, I previously didn't know about, you know, and then I had taken, I think like, I want to say eight weeks off from doing any kind of training, whether it be boxing, kick, any, you know, I've been doing the boxing, kickboxing training, but as far as MMA, I hadn't trained, I haven't, you know, done any type of uh, MMA training in, in about two years prior to that, you know. Um, for me, it was just, I was enjoying the boxing, kickboxing thing. And then for me, it was just like one of those where I covered the sport, I, in my mind, like, yo, you know, you should at least, you know, compete like once or twice a year just to, just to stay active and just to stay competitive in, in the sport. And so I was legit back for four days coming off of like eight weeks of nothing. And then you get this call. It was like, yo, you want to fight in the UFC? And you're like, what? You know, so that was, that was just an opportunity that I couldn't pass up. You know, unfortunately it didn't go my way, but you know, I uh, make the best of, of that opportunity which parlayed itself into the punk fight. And, you know, times have changed. You know, life is better. Was it weird that they engaged you in this kind of triangle with Mickey Gall and CM Punk? Was it kind of, you know, were you, was it strange that you were put into that position? No, it wasn't strange at all. Like, something had, to, you know, someone had to be there. And why not me? You know, I feel that as far as the entertainer and personality, it only, you know, it made sense for me to be, it could have been other people. Sure. It could have been, but it wasn't, it was me. And so that's how I look at it. Like, I don't, I don't sweat and dwell and oh, well, why me? And well, how did, why did I get, you know, it, it didn't matter. I got it. You know, just like when someone wins a lottery ticket, you know, they, they won, they got it. Like no one, it doesn't matter why or how it just, it only thing matters is that it happened. 
Right, and so after that, you obviously get the big opportunity with CM Punk in Chicago. Why do you think you were the lucky guy? Was it just your turn next after the golf fight because you were involved with him as well, or was it just natural? Yeah, you know, I, I think it was, all of that played, played a role. You already had the storyline, was already there. You had the, the connection through golf. You know, it, it, it just made sense. If you're going to give him another opportunity – then I'm really the only person that makes sense. Like there, I mean, there are other, like the only other fighter that I know that would, would probably make a lot of money or a lot more money would be a fight with Jason David Frank, you know, and uh, I happen to be friends with him, talk to him a little It's just, it wasn't a fight that would have been, would have been made just off of weight. You know, Jason Frank is a, is a, a big guy. He's not making 170 pounds. You know, even Phil Brooks is, um, I think if he would have started at an earlier time in his life, he'd have competed at maybe uh, 155, you know, um, or maybe 170, you know, maybe 170 years for him. But, but he would all that. It, it's just there was too much of a weight discrepancy between the two. So you take Jason Frank out of it, literally the only person that, that just makes sense is myself. You know, you can't bring in – well, I mean, you can, but it's just – we're, we're talking about finances now. You have to bring somebody else in. You have to sort of build them up a little bit. Like with me, it was already there. You know, so like I said, it, from a business standpoint, it only made sense to bring me in. And how big was that for you that you'd be on a main card in this incredibly heavily watched fight? You know, you'd be getting into this uh, huge promotional event. Was it a surreal experience? Um, no, I mean, it was just, it was just another day at the office for me. Because I understood what it was, you know. I don't, I do, I don't get caught up in the hype of things too much. I'm just a chill person. So yeah, I mean, I realized I was fighting the UFC and I was fighting on the pay per view. You know, I was uh, uh, top, you know, higher billing than you know former champions. You know, that's cool. But I don't, I don't really sweat that. You know, so I, I was there. I had a job to do. I had a mission. You know, my mission was to beat this dude up enough where he didn't want to do it no more. You know, and I, I said, but that was the thing, like, I said that before the golf fight. I told people, I was like, look, man, this dude's best bet is to go fight Mickey Golf. And Mickey did what I said he was going to do. I was like, yo, he's going to take him down, he's going to submit him. I said, I'm not going in there to do that. I'm going in there to beat this dude up because that, because even like in the beginning when like he got a, he, it was announced that he was coming in, like people were upset. Oh my God, I can't believe like this guy is here and. He only used his name. I said, like, all right, well, then I'm going to show him that he's not cut out for this. I'm going to send him back to wrestling. You know, so that was my objective from the beginning. And uh, I accomplished that. So I feel that, you know, it, it, was a, it was 100% victory on my part. You know, I set out, I set a, uh, I set a goal, and I accomplished it. And you were clearly winning the fight throughout. Um, were you just not able to finish? Was there no opportunity? Did you just one more time on the pay-per-view. What was it that kind of didn't allow you to finish the fight earlier? Because it looked, and I'm an outsider. It, who knows? It, it, it's, I, I, the reason I finished that because I chose not to finish the fight. I, I carried the guy, you know, for me. I, I, and other thing, I don't think people, like, and I'm just, a different, I'm just a different kind of guy. Like, you know, I don't, um, so the way I looked at it, when you're in there, and that's the other thing, a lot of people with the criticism have never stepped foot in the cage. Like, they don't have this, sort of fighter's mentality. You know, I have a fighter's mentality, but I'm also compassionate. You know, like when I'm training and I'm, and, and I'm in, you know, when I'm sparring and moving around, I know I'm moving with a guy 
who has been training like a year or even less, you know, he's new guy in class. Like I can spar with anybody. I can spar with the best guys in the gym and I can spar with the dudes that it's his first day in the gym and not hurt that guy. And I, and cause I know how to carry, I know how to move around and let these people work. And so when I was in there with Phil, I felt like I was fighting one of these guys that was like, they've been training like less than a year, you know, as far as the striking aspect goes. You know, I mean, that's really all we saw. He shot their takedowns, but and I told people, I was like, man, I've been doing this a lot longer. I was like, I was able to stuff the shots. He got me down. I don't even remember how he got. I forgot. Maybe I threw a punch or something. He got me down, and I got back up. You know, so I, I told people prior to the fight that there were levels to this, and and people thought I was just like trash talking or being cocky and arrogant. And I was like, no, I'm just. This is the reality of it. Just like if it's hot outside and you pull out a thermostat and it says 100 degrees outside. Like, it says it's 100 degrees, so it's hot. And, and people was like, nah, you're just talking. It's okay. So I go out there, and, and you know, I, I remember the first few times I, I, I uh, punched him in the face and, you know, the way his eyes lit up. And it's one thing to know, like, what, what to expect before. Like I, when I went in there, I expected what, I, what, I, what happened. I expected that to happen. But to be honest with you, the fight was a lot easier than I expected. He, he, didn't, he didn't progress as much as I thought he would have. And while I'm in there, I just realized that he didn't belong. Like, he didn't, you know, I really could have hurt the guy, you know. And, and I know it's a fight. I had some people, stupid trolls, and they're like, yo, if you didn't, like, if you didn't have the mentality to go out there and, like, kill this dude, like, you shouldn't be fighting. And I was like, yo, I didn't even, I, I didn't think that was the purpose of fighting is to go out there and kill a dude. You know, in my, my mentality, the purpose of fighting is to get the better of your opponent. And I didn't have to, knowing what, what was at stake in the fight, really it was just, it, like, no, no, no titles was on the line, no moving up the ranking was on the line. It was just a guy with the, with, he wanted to cross something off of his bucket list in life. And then me, I just was in the right place at the right time, you know? And so in my mind, I didn't have to knock this dude out. I didn't have to leave him face, face down on the canvas, you know, in front of his fans and friends, you know, his lady was there watching people watching at home, you know, because I being, being involved in this sport so much, I've seen countless times of people getting like just viciously knocked out and you know there's this there's a feeling that that you get in the arena you know knowing that this pe- these people's uh their family is watching and you know what they're going through like man they're worried and concerned again it's a fight anything can happen you know and so being that i knew what the fight was there was no need for me to do that you know again my goal was to beat this dude up where he didn't want to compete anymore and I accomplished that with what I did. I didn't have to knock him out, give him brain damage. You know, because this dude, again, this is not his life. This is not something that he's trying to pursue, you know, as a career. You know, or maybe he was. I don't know. I, I just, I can't rationalize a 39-year-old unathletic person trying to pursue MMA as a career. I saw this as an entertainer from pro wrestling. He found, he, he found something that he was, you know, that was really cool and he wanted to try out and he, he just, he had the, the fan base. He had millions of followers on Twitter and in social media 
and he has his large platform, and he's a cult personality, that only made sense to give him a shot, you know? But like I said, it just is it, levels to this. And he just wasn't ready for it. So I'd show him. And you seem like a very secure guy, obviously. And, you know, you trained your whole life or, or for years fighting. How tough was it to endure some of that scrutiny from Dana and other people? Uh, did you kind of just brush it off or did you take it to heart? No, you know, I, I, I brushed it off. You know, for me, I think that the issue... The, the original issue for me, I did take it kind of personal because I was still in the moment. But I, when all this happened, you know, I, uh, you know, the fight was over. I got a little criticism. Like I was uh, after the fight, I'm out in the, in the back and I'm trying to, you know, eat or whatever and watch the other fights. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm was really on Twitter. You know, I was, I was, you know, I was engaging with, you know, my fans and, you know, even, even the haters out there doing their thing. Um, but that's me. I, I, I enjoyed those types of interactions from time to time. Um, but then what really sucked for me, though, being still being in the moment, I'm still enjoying, you know, the victory on this big stage. And, I, you know, me, I, I like to eat. So, you know, my first thing after the fight was go get some Chicago deep dish. And I'm about to eat my first deep dish pizza ever. And then I hear the Dana White comments. And for me, it was just in the moment. I was like, damn, like this dude really, because you have someone of that magnitude who, with, who can instantly, because of who he is in the, in, the, in the industry, he can sort of instantly change the tide either way of something. You know? And that's what he did for me. He changed the tide in a negative direction. Um, so like I said, in the moment it sucked, but once I was able to sort of, uh, digest it a little better and, and a little time has passed by like a day or so, uh, I was cool. Like, I, I get it. You know, it's, it's entertainment, man. You know, and then hearing what he said about Phil after he was like, y'all, you got to respect him for being in there. And I was like, wow, God, you just shot all on me, you know, for going out there and beating this dude's ass. You know, but you give this dude praises for surviving. I was like, you take two people to fight. I didn't, I didn't, that fight wasn't just me. It was two people in there, you know, and you, you know, if you don't criticize me, you need to criticize him too, but he did the exact opposite. So when all that happened and, and just given the current times of, of, of our society at the moment, you guys, man, people just make up their own narratives, you know, and I looked at it as such and, and then given a, given given the understanding that you, you knew why he was, you know, once I really, it was one of those things where I knew why he was there, but I lost sight of that. And then following everything, I came back to it. Like, look, this is a money grab. And Dana's upset that he can't grab anymore. He can't go to that well anymore. I shut that shit down. And so you have someone like him who's very emotional and in their feelings and they're going to talk crazy. That's just what he does. We, I mean, we've heard all this crazy shit that he said over the years. You know, so like I said, once I, I was able to sort of uh, take a step back, collect myself and, and you know, and uh, logically look at everything, I was like, you know, it is what it is. I'm not tripping. And what's the status of your contact now? Are you in touch with them? Do you expect you'll fight again? Uh, if not, are you... Are you I any- do expect, yeah. No, I expect to fight again. You know, I'm still in the contract. You know, um, I... I the fight that I want. I know there's been, man, there's been a slew of people who, who want to fight me. You know, I just, the people who are calling me, I don't, don't think it necessarily makes sense for, for me, for those fights. 
I haven't had amateur fighters like, yo, I want to make my pro debut against you. It's like, yo, who are you? Like, you're nobody. You know, and, and, and I don't mean that as a disrespect, but like, these are literally nobodies to me. You know, like, the, these are, like, you, you had some, I had some Canadian dude, he was all pissed off. He's like, you need to fight me. I was like, well, I can't fight you. I'm in the UFC, you're not. Well, you can, I got a promotion out here. And like, he had the promotion reach out to me. I was like, I don't know why this dude like reached out to you and had you contact me. Like, I'm still under contract. And I told him this. And, and like, I, I just, these people are just so, they're delusional is what it is. And, and I don't, I don't live in a delusional world. I live in reality, you know? So, um, yeah, you know, that, that, that's them doing their thing. But the fight that makes sense is, is awesome. You have a guy. Uh, who stylistically will be a will be a fun fight to watch. You got two dudes who just gonna you know I'm a striker. You know he's a brawler. You know it would be a fun fight. You know we both fought at 55 before, um, and, and you know this guy he we already know why he's in the UFC. He's in the UFC, you know because of Conor McGregor. That's his guy. And I'm not even not like, like and, and even when I'm saying all this, there's no disrespect here. You know, I, I respect the hustle of of Arthur. Like, he's in this position where he's good friends with Conor McGregor. I would do the same thing. Like, anybody, anyone, any fighter who says that if they were in Arthur's position and wouldn't capitalize on it is lying to you. I guarantee you they are. Anybody in Arthur's position and your dude is, well, I think, like, two and four in the UFC, he's lost, like, three in a row, four, whatever he's lost in a row, um, he's still there. He's still there, but he's there because of Connor. You know, this dude was just part of this brawl. Connor gets a slap on him. He'll be back soon. So, you know, Arthur's going to be back soon. So let's make this fight. Dana already hyped it up. Dana was like, yo, if I make this fight, Arthur would kill Mike Jackson. Okay, well, let's see. Now, now we have a way, we have a, a, a way to sell the fight. You said this dude was going to kill me. So let's see if he really, let's see if it really happens. Now let's sell a bunch of pay-per-views. Or, or a bunch of fight passes, wherever you want to. I, you know, for me, I don't even care where, where the fight goes, you know. Um, if it goes there, that's cool. You know, I, I don't care. It'll sell a bunch of fight passes. It'll see, that's probably where it'll land. But, well, new subscriptions. And so what does the future look like? I know you're podcasting now. How long do you plan on fighting before you transition somewhere else? And where do you want to transition? Uh, you know, I don't know. I, you know, for me, I, I'm still uh, young as far as in, in fight years, you know. Um, and, and I know 33 is, is, you know, prime for some people. I have a guy, man, this guy, he's 33, 34, but he's been fighting 14 years and he's been, he's been in wars. He's all his wins have come to, actually, I want all his fights have come to a finish, all his wins, you know, and this dude has 20, 30 some fights, you know, so someone like that, like they're until in their career at 33, 34, because they, you know, they have the mileage on from fighting. I don't have that mileage. You know, so uh, I just, I'm going to do it until I, don't, until I don't have the passion to do it anymore. You know, for me, it was, uh, it was sort of a, a lifestyle change, you know, preparing for that fight. I spent six weeks, you know, uh, you know, my, changed my diet, changed my, my training, my sleeping habits, and, you know, all these different things I had to uh, adjust for this, you know. So, I, yeah, I don't know. It just, however long I'm willing to make those adjustments, once I'm, once I'm, you know, uh, I'm done give, making those sacrifices, and I just want to enjoy life the way I'm current, like when I'm not training, like right now. Today I slept till like 12.30 in the afternoon. 
I went to bed at like three, four in the morning. I get to wake up and I do whatever I want to do until, you know, to the weekends when I have to go cover an event. You know, this is my life. You know, so uh, until I, I just want to do this forever, you know, uh, I'm going to keep fighting. Mike, it's been so great of you to join us. Where can people go to find out more about you, where they can find you, contact you, uh, get in touch with you? Yeah, all of my social media is uh, at the Truth Jackson on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat. Um, you can and all the different platforms. You know, different things. You have the I do a lot of my uh, Mike the Truth photography on the Instagram. You get the dope pictures. Uh, Twitter is more conversation engaging. Facebook stories and photos engaging. Uh, so you get a little bit on, on different platforms. And of course, the podcast, uh, which is called The Truth About Stuff. You can find that at MikeTheTruth.com forward slash podcast. And then, of course, on the, the podcast platforms, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, all those other little, uh, cool little things as well. Understood. Mike, once again, thanks so much for taking the time. Uh, thanks for having me. And that's our interview with Mike Jackson. I hope you had a good time. Thanks so much for listening. My name's Dimitri Shaknovich. If you want to learn more about me, please visit www.dshacklaw.com and this is the Fight Lawyer Podcast. Till next time, folks.